a truly historic but very solemn day in London this afternoon. Ten members of the royal family marching up the Mall, guns going off in Hyde Park, Big Ben ringing every minute, the Queen now lying in state in Westminster Hall. For those of you that have been busy today, have not been able to follow this, we will do our best in the next hour to explain all of it to you. But before we get to that, let's please see the news headlines. Hello, it's just gone one minute past seven o'clock. I'm Simon Pusey in the GB newsroom. Queen Elizabeth's coffin is now at Westminster Hall, where she is lying in state for four days. The late monarch was carried on a gun carriage from Buckingham Palace in a military procession through central London. King Charles walked behind Her Majesty's coffin in line with his brothers, the Duke of York and the Earl of Wessex, and his sister, the Princess Royal. His sons, Princes William and Harry, followed on foot behind. Thousands of people lined the route, with viewing areas filled hours before the procession began. The lying in state is now open to the public. Westminster Hall will be open 24 hours a day until the morning of the state funeral next Monday. Hundreds of thousands of people are expected to file past Her Majesty's coffin to pay their respects. Despite long waits, up to 30 hours expected for some people, people in the queue have said it's worth the wait for a chance to say goodbye to Her Majesty. So sad, so terribly sad. God bless our Queen. We was here yesterday at 7 o'clock and it's, it's worth it. It is. She's a one good, amazing lady. I think solemn is the word. You know, it is really respectful. It's very much people are so pleased to just pay their respects. I'll be honest with you, a little bit shell-shocked. I think that are yeah. probably shell-shocked, but um, uh, it's a lot to take in. Um, but one feels history passing. In other news, inflation has fallen for the first time in nearly a year. It reached 9.9% in the 12 months to August, down from 10.1% the previous month. Lower fuel prices have helped ease pressure on households, but the figure is still close to record highs. A £50,000 reward is being offered as part of the search to find Olivia Pratt-Corbell's killer. The nine-year-old was fatally shot in her home in Liverpool last month. Her mother was also injured. The donation has been made by Lord Ashcroft, who is the founder and the chair of Crime Stoppers. He's urging anyone with any information to come forward, saying they can remain anonymous. As Ukraine's counteroffensive gains territory, families are finally being reunited after months apart. In the eastern Kharkiv region, the mother of a mare jumped for joy when she saw her son saying she knew he'd return home. The reunion happened in a village that's been recaptured by Ukraine near the Russian border. TV online and DAB Plus radio, this is GB News Now. It's back to Nigel Farage. Good evening. Well, it really was the most extraordinary, historic, and I must say, very solemn afternoon in London. At exactly 2.22, the procession left the front gates of Buckingham Palace. And we'll go through 
over the course of the hour who exactly was in it, but the Queen's coffin there on a gun carriage, and it took 38 minutes to make its way up the Mall to its resting place in Westminster Hall, where it's going to be for the next four days and four nights. Literally behind this window, as I speak to you, there are people filing over Lambeth Bridge. They're queuing for miles down the river. Uh, it's all very orderly. We'll talk about that as this next hour goes on. But to see the royal family in full public view of the world, still, I'm sure, in grief, but walking slowly, steadily behind that coffin. It was a very, very solemn, very, very sombre moment. There were no hand claps, there was no applause, there was no cheering, some of which we saw when the Queen's body arrived at Buckingham Palace last night, which I must say did rather surprise me. Perhaps it was just emotional relief from those who'd been out there waiting in the rain. Now, this was very, very solemn. It was followed by a service in Westminster Hall. And I have to say, a combination of that and what I've seen with the people lining up along the south bank of the Thames tonight to go and pay their respects, I genuinely, really, truly believe we are seeing the best of Britain. It's all being done in our own rather gentle, understated way, but it's being done brilliantly, and people are responding to it enormously. And all over the world, rolling TV channels all over the world are covering these events, not just us at GB News and other British broadcasters. Now, I'm joined by historian David Starkey and GB News contributor. David, I mean, I can't even imagine that the funeral on Monday will have quite that same sense of drama that we saw with that coffin going up the mall today. A dead march, two dead marches, that steady beat of 75 paces to the minute. And every one minute, a big artillery gun going off in Hyde Park, and Big Ben, Big ben tolling. sounding that heavy, but of course dampened bell, and the drums themselves were dampened. You said understated. Mm. No. Think what it did. You had the men, the movement, the sound going through a series of theatres of monarchy, because that's what they are. The front of Buckingham Palace looked beyond belief magnificent. All the usual rubbish was cleared out of the way. The barriers, you just had the building there, and then these splashes of red and gold and black. They're, mm. they're, they are, they're the colours of a great flag. And then they started to move, and we had the sound. And But the whole thing is designed as a theatre. The huge roundabout in front of the palace. The, Of course, with the implicit, remember, do you remember that solitary figure up there at the time of the Jubilee? Yes. I saw her wave. Yes. yes. And then it moves down the mall, that extraordinary processional route, with at the end framing the view as all the cameras followed it, the splendours of Admiralty Arch, and then suddenly it turns, and you're from the imperial world of the early uh, 20th century, the, the world of Edward VII, who's again, whose many echoes of his funeral were there. The first time that the bell of uh, Big Ben tolled for royal funeral was, was Edward VII in yeah. 1910. And then you swing into another world. You swing into the world of 
horse guards, which is the 17th century. You go through the great arch of, of the actual horse guards itself, which is the beginning of the glory of 18th century Britain. You turn into Whitehall, which resonates, of course, again, with the Tudors and, of course, the Cenotaph in front of which the Queen led the nation in mourning and remembrance and regret so often, and then across Parliament Square into New Palace Yard, into, well, what we both... Westminster Hall. Yes, which is just the Beyond. most... Yes. No, I didn't mean the ceremony itself was... I mean, no. the public reaction was understood. Absolutely. Muted. Absolutely. Generally, so. ever since the Queen has died, with the exception last night of the coffin arriving, mm. people are doing this very privately, very quietly. They're observing. But, but it, 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 yeah, we're not shouting, we're no. not screaming, people aren't fainting. It's not Diana. That's the it point. It is not Diana. No, that's the point. So much of it, is, as it were, symbolism has been taken from Diana. The flowers, the sense of public grieving, but there's none, there's none of the tension. There's, yes. the, the air is quite different. The feeling in the air is quite different. But I, for me, it was the entry into Westminster Now, Hall. this is what I really want oh. the viewers and the listeners to understand what Westminster Hall actually is. Well, it is the original theatre of the English monarchy. It's built by the son of the conqueror. It's built by William Rufus only you know, a couple of decades after the conquest itself. At the end, uh, we're, 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 we're now about 1100. Think of that, mm. 900 years ago. It was, for a long time, the largest non-cathedral space north of the Alps. And then this vast structure is rebuilt in the reign of Richard II uh, at the end of the 14th century. And it has, for the first time, that single-span roof, that astonishing hammer beam roof. And it still looks magnificent today. And nobody had been able... It's also most wonderful... We're talking about the wonders of Britain, the wonders of English engineering. Mm. That is engineering in wood. The, originally, it had to have columns in the middle, two rows of columns, just like, a, just like a cathedral, because the space was so huge. But Richard has the imagination to see it as, I've been using this word, the theatre of his court. And he designs it. First, rows of angels, as it were, yep. he is a holy king, and then rows of his predecessor kings in statues going round the wall. But of course, and the, the lighting designed to strike him as he sat on the throne on the dais. But of course, something else strikes him. It's there that he's deposed. Mm. So this theatre yeah. of kingship. And of course, this is the point that was made wonderfully. I'd never been, I say, particularly impressed by Speaker Hoyle. But uh, when he was addressing uh, the, the new king, King Charles, on, of course, with another name, of resonance there. Mm, and, quite. Uh, when, when, when he was addressing <laughs> King Charles, he reminded King Charles that it was there in the hall that Parliament had actually established its supremacy over uh, the king at the time of the Glorious Revolution, and there that William and Mary had sworn to the Bill of Rights. And it's there, of course, also that Charles's ancestor, Charles I, was tried yes. and condemned to death, as was, as was Thomas More, as was Cardinal Fisher. You see, you're in a place where, and of course, where all the previous monarchs who have lain in state have lain there, as did the great Prime Minister William Gladstone. So you hear the absolute heart of what is both royal 
Westminster, but what then becomes parliamentary Westminster. So when Charles, at, uh, in what I thought was a profoundly impressive speech, is ex the speech on the, on the actual night of the accession, mm. the six mm. o'clock speech, when he says, I recognise that I'm a parliamentary monarch and subject to a parliamentary constitution. There it is, with, of course, the implicit, dare one say, threat that Speaker Hoyle so exquisitely <laughs> hung over him. You know, don't fulfil that oath and some of your predecessors. And this, is the, this is the wonderful thing about what we're seeing now. It is this combination of the profound deference, which is due to monarchy and particularly to Her Late Majesty, but also the fact that we really are a royal republic. Yes, it's fascinating, isn't it? And the country, David, for the first time in most cases, actually learning this week what a constitutional monarchy actually is. We hope, and we're trying. Well, I think they are. And, and it seems to me it is profoundly important, because the paradox is that it is the constitutional monarchies, not just Britain, but preeminently Britain, that actually invent freedom. It's not the republics. Britain in particular, you were talking about Britain, let's, let's be mm. out and proud. Mm. Mm. This country invents everything that we think of as freedom. It invents rule under law. It invents the security of property. Uh, it invents representative government. All these happen here, and they happen under kings. Of course, some kings have to be removed to make it possible, <laughs> but then they come back because they're symbols of legitimacy. And what is striking, I think, what we're celebrating with the, with, with the late Queen, with Her Late Majesty, is she was the supreme constitutional monarch. She understood what it meant and she embodied it steadfastly, persistently and with scarcely a foot wrong no, in right. a reign of 70 years. Quite right. David, wonderful words. Thank you. And, you know, those of you watching this, listening to this, if your children or your grandchildren are being indoctrinated and being told what a dreadful country we were, we are in every way because of our, our vile history. Well, just give them a couple of minutes of Starkey um, and tell them actually our gifts to the world. We're the people that invented parliamentary democracy and freedom centuries before virtually anybody else. Well, it was, as I said, a very, very powerful and a very, very moving procession. And it's interesting, I was out earlier on, down on the um, river, and I met a chap wearing a, wearing a beret, wearing some medals, and I, I sort of asked him why he was there. He said, the Queen was my boss. I was in the British Army, as indeed was Brian Wood, MC, former colour sergeant, Princess of Wales, Royal Regiment, author um, of books on the subject. Brian, you served 17 years. Can you explain, please, to those at home who perhaps don't understand this, just how important for those that are serving or have served in the military, the Queen was, the monarch, now, the, the King now is. Yeah, she was our boss, and rightly so, um, said the man who you met by the river wearing his medals, and rightly so also. Look, we swore allegiance to our late Majesty, and... Um, she was very proud of our armed forces and we were very, very proud to serve her. And um, when we went into foreign fields and on operations, you know, we were for sure um, aware that, you know, realities of war is you can get hurt or 
you know, worst case killed in action and we're prepared to do that. And that's, and that yeah. is for her majesty. Look, we know our, who, you know, now is the king, the colonel in chief, but her majesty played an incredible role for so many years. And, um, she'll be hard to top, but I think the new king has got, uh, you know, an, in, an incredible future. I think he will be a great leader and he's had the best tuition, hasn't he? So, um, She'll be she'll be greatly well, missed, and I've been. He, yeah, he's also had a very long apprenticeship, um, but I agree yeah. with you. I think he's off to a very good start. And today, you know, really big day out there. You know, we saw the guards, we saw the Royal Horse Artillery, and and we've seen the military very much to the fore over the course of the last few days. Um, they never seem to get anything wrong, or or am I missing something? I mean, they would be scared stiff setting off. It's, it's natural, but they would have been told. And they, they probably wouldn't have had to be told, if I'm honest. Look, this is the send-off that she deserves. We go, we go well, we go with courage, and we go with dignity, like Her Majesty always displayed. So, I mean, we're the best of British. No, no one else does it like us. And I'm very patriotic. And I'm, you know, I've I served this great nation for 17 years. And looking on their TV screens and seeing people who I know in some pretty responsible roles delivering what we've seen is just remarkable. And the thing is, the late Queen, she was a stickler for detail. She she knew every you know margin of the troop and the colour. She knew what needed to happen on the state visits, on the rural visits, and when she would come to watch, you know, some regiments in action. She, she, she was switched on. And uh, I just loved watching, you know, with, with emotion, clearly. But she, what a display that the, the armed forces put on for her today. No, I, Brian Wood, MC, I agree with you. So, come on, finally, do you really think we do it better than any other country? One hundred percent. Thought you might say that. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. Well, I'm joined now by Michael Cole, who's becoming quite a regular friend of the programme. Actually, given all the activity of Jubilees <laughs> and this death, this horrible death, um, Michael. We talk, I talked with David Starkey very much about the history of Westminster Hall and what it represents. I want to talk to you about the actual procession mm. itself. Ten members of the royal family there but others, I think, waiting for them at Westminster Hall. Nigel, we've seen extraordinary things today. We've seen historic scenes. These are historic days, and dare I say it, these are historic programmes, including your own. In the last 200 years, there have only been seven monarchical funerals. In that time, 200 years, there have only been less than that number of solar eclipses. That's how rare this is. This hasn't happened since 1952. And everybody who's witnessing this today, and there are millions of them around the world, are seeing things that could not even be imagined, except in the context of the death of a British monarch. And as you say, I mean, could it have been done with more dignity? No. no. Could it have been done no. better? No. no. It, it, was, it was perfect. It was perfect. And, and, and you know, I've talked, I talked there to Brian Wood, MC, about, you know, the, the army. And, of course, he thinks they were brilliant and no-one does it as well as us. And I would jolly well hope he would think that. But just think about those ten members of the royal family, of course. You know, uh, 
the king, William, Harry, they, they, they've done all this before, and I'll discuss that with Patrick Jefferson mm. in a moment. Um, but the ten of them, mm. you, know, you think about any normal family, mm. you've just lost a grandparent, mm. you've just lost a parent, and you've then got a march through the streets of London, yeah. slow pace, with yeah. the whole of the world watching. But isn't their composure astonishing? Absolutely. The new king, King Charles III, yep. his three siblings, his sister and his two brothers. Then you had the, the Duke of Gloucester, the Queen's cousin, her nephew, Lord Snowden, her son-in-law, Admiral Sir Tim Lawrence, all of them there. And what was a lovely touch was that all the Queen's personal servants, her valets and her butlers were there walking behind mm. as they would wish to do and also I think we have a good word for the seven horses because for horses to walk that slowly, slowly. exactly mm. seven beautiful black horses led at the front by Cassius who I understand is 18 and is about to be retired well he's got something to put on his CV hasn't it <laughs> I, 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 I pulled the gun carriage that took the oak lead lined coffin of Her Majesty the Queen from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Hall. And of course, as uh, we had a good tutorial on the Constitution there, but what struck me uh, about the ceremony and the speeches at Westminster Hall was that the king doesn't go there as of right. He is invited by the two houses of parliament. And he acknowledged yes. that immediately. Yes. Because a constitutional monarchy is a very, very valuable thing. And it is a bulwark, it is a defence against extremism, against dictatorship, because uh, at the end of the day, the laws have to be signed off by the monarch. And one can imagine uh, a situation where that may stop extremism getting out of hand in this country. Well, and it has. Yeah. I mean, this system that we're witnessing, all we're witnessing this week, was all put together ultimately in 1688. Mm. And there have been changes to The Bill to of it. Rights. Yeah, yeah, but fundamentally, yeah. this is our way of doing things, isn't it? This, this is pageantry with a purpose. It's not flummery. It's not a lot of fancy costumes. It emphasises the fact that this monarchy doesn't go just back to 1066 and mm. William the Conqueror. The Queen traced her ancestry back to Alfred the Great, 8th century. That's how long, direct line. And that's terribly important with the interruption of the Commonwealth and, and, and Oliver Cromwell. And then, yeah. we, we, then we realised that wasn't quite for us. And even Oliver Cromwell thought about becoming king. And we restored uh, the monarchy. It suits us. I always feel it suits the British temperament. I don't, I couldn't envisage, and I think it would be an absolutely dreadful experience, having to vote for a president. I mean, it takes 18 months in the United States. It's very rancorous and ill-tempered usually. Yeah, I'm, but I mean, probably what we'd have is a prime minister and then the head of state would be a, a dreary, puritanical, <laughs> ex-Labour or ex-Conservative politician. I mean, it's too ghastly to contemplate, isn't oh, it? No, it is. I mean, one can think of the various candidates who would push themselves forward. No, it's and too could, awful. And actually sends, awful. sends a shudder down. <laughs> I'd much rather take a chance on the hereditary principle. Okay, sometimes you get a great king, sometimes you get a great queen, something mm. not so good. But how brilliantly has this country been served by women monarchs? Elizabeth I, Queen Victoria, Queen Elizabeth II. You know, um, Nigel, uh, 
people used to say to me, do you know the Queen? And I say, no, I don't know the Queen, but she knows me. She had to know me because I was covering it from yep. the BBC. And you know something about her? She wasn't in the slightest bit grand. The job was grand, but she was not. She was very, very modest. And she always had her mother and her sister to take her down a peg or two with, with, with some jokes and so on. And when she went around the world, that came through because what is the what is the essence of good manners? The essence of good manners is behaving and speaking in a certain way that other people feel comfortable and not uncomfortable. And she was able no, to do was, that I mean, she was par, par excellence. Yeah. But, you know, to be able to do that in all, all sorts of societies. And she was hugely, hugely no, she knowledgeable. Was, she was brilliant at that. I'm going to bring you back in a few minutes to talk okay. about the lying in state. But for now, thank you. And let's go to Anna Riley, GB News Yorkshire reporter. And she is in the Black Horse Pub in Wakefield, West Yorkshire. And as we are the People's Channel, Anna, tell me, what's been going on in the Black Horse today? Good evening, Nigel. Yes, there's been the lying in state procession that's been shown on television here. It's been very sombre, very quiet. There's been not so many people coming in, maybe people watching it at home. And the streets here have been quite quiet as well. I'm joined by Amy Williams. She's the bar manager here at the pub. Amy, you were watching the ceremony earlier. What was it like? Uh, very sad, very sombre. Uh, very emotional to everybody. Yeah, it's been sad to watch. And what were people saying, customers here? Um, they're, they're sad, emotional. Um, they're looking forward to seeing what Prince Charles, King Charles now, has got and he's going to bring to the plate, so yeah. And what did the Queen mean to you? I mean, she was a well-loved figure here in Wakefield, wasn't she? And she's been here several times during yeah, her reign. Yeah, she has. Yeah, she meant the world. Uh, it's like losing a pe person from your family, losing a piece of your heart. Um, yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. Um, and what memories do you have of the Queen? What do you cherish from her reign? Uh, a smile and how much she reminded me of my own nan. So, yeah, very special. And you've got a son, haven't you? You said it had been a bit of a, an adaptation for him as well, losing the Queen yeah. at school. He came home and said it was really strange today, singing the national anthem and singing King and not Queen. So, yeah, I think it's affected everyone. And how do you think people are coping? Um, we get through like we do, uh, but it's very sad and people are, need time to grieve. So, yeah. And that's what will be happening on Monday. Uh, a lot of places will be closing and, and the pub here will be, won't it, as well, yeah. for the funeral? Yeah, we'll be shut and we'll be watching it on the TV. So, yeah, um, it'll be good to see. Yeah. And the pub as well, It's it's got a real love for the monarchy, hasn't it? it uh, has. The Jubilee, tell me about what you did this that year amazing, for the Queen. Yeah, we um, decorate the pub from top to bottom. Um, it was really good, really good. I heard you had more... Um, Jacks here, Union Jacks, than uh, the rest of Wakefield. We did, yeah. We was, um, that was everywhere. Everywhere you could think we had them. So, yeah, it was really, really good. Good celebrations. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you for sharing. Thank Thanks, Nigel. Anna, thank you very much. Well, that was the very patriotic Black Horse Pub up in Wakefield. And isn't it interesting, you know, when she talked, Anna, there to the bar address and she said, well, she reminded me of my nan... We almost live 
the wonderful things and the terrible things of our lives through the royal family. When good things happen to them, it reminds us of things in our life. When bad things happen to them, it reminds us of things in our life. It is the most extraordinary relationship the British people have with the royal family. Now, one man who had a very close professional relationship with Princess Diana was Patrick Jefferson, who was there working. Well, you were there for, what, eight years with Diana? I was, yes. I mean, you really were the right-hand man in every sense. Uh, you saw it all, the boys growing up, the split with Charles, everything. Patrick, when you saw that procession today, you know, 2.22 on the button, it leaves Buckingham Palace's front gates to get to Westminster Hall at three o'clock. And there, in that procession, slow marching up the Mall, once again, were William and Harry. That must have brought some memories back for you of 25 years ago. It certainly did, Nigel, but I think it would have brought memories back for a lot of people. Mm. Lots happened in 25 years. There were times during my uh, period as private secretary when the idea of King Charles and Queen Camilla would have been laughable. Yes. And, and actually not in a very nice way either. So um, what we have seen is a, an extraordinary evolution in the British monarchy. It's a sort of experiment, I think, because after 70 years of the kind of reign that Elizabeth the Great has given us, That's, almost everything has to be experimented That is sticking with you. Is. Elizabeth the Great is sticking with you. Is yeah, it? I saw it in the paper today, and that, that goes rather well. Yeah, our viewers love that idea. Yeah, yeah. I think it... I think it yeah. And, of course, you know, Elizabeth I was great in her own way, but um, she didn't rack up 70 years. <laughs> so I think from a... I mean, I, I did politics when I was at university, and I'm interested by how the whole concept of monarchy evolves from here. I think the rest of the world is watching, but Britain is kind of the laboratory for monarchy. And it's entering into a period of, of uh, very interesting experiment, I think, with King Charles. It's not just the man. It's the philosophy, um, the, uh, uh, the principles, the standards, the values. And to see whether they survive the tests of of history, you know, it's all great today, but we're start at the start of a very long and potentially rocky road. Yeah, I mean, you are a monarchist, of course, to your fingertips, but in particular, you were a huge supporter of our late Queen Elizabeth the Great, as you've just called her. Uh, she's impossible to follow, really, isn't she? Yes, and this is why for the new king, it'll be, a, uh, the challenge will be to be his own man, to put his own stamp on it, and to retain the affection of those who supported his mother. I mean, he is, he is uh, of all the things that she has bequeathed to him, the popularity, the health of the monarchy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it has been through some rough patches and he was not uninvolved in some of those rough patches. So um, there is an opportunity here, I think, for him to move it to the next stage so that it's in equally good condition when he hands it on in turn. And how does he deal with Harry? You know, you, I mean, you knew Harry when he was a young man, a young boy. Um, he was at one point the most popular role there's ever been, I think. He was mm -hmm. the Jack the Lad, he was in the army, he was all these things. Um, how is the king going to deal with Harry? He's given us a clue. In his uh, speech, he said, you know, uh, his, his love for Harry and Meghan, who are building their new lives overseas. Mm. So the way I sort of picture it is that the ship of state is sailing on, as we've seen today, and a sort of inexorable progress. Harry and Meghan are, they're on board at the moment, but really they have 
It's like they've hopped into a rowing boat and gone off to a desert island where they're doing their own thing. And if that makes them happy, fine. If it makes, if, if, if uh, trashing the family that has given them everything is, is part of making their new lives, then, um, then they'll be in trouble and they will be uh, quite properly uh, scrutinized for that. Yeah. First time in 70 years, Patrick, we've seen all of these extraordinary events going on over the last week. How well are we doing this? Ah, well, of course, we love to say that we do this better than anybody in the world. We do, but is it true? <laughs> well, I think, I mean, having lived in America for a while now, and particularly after the funeral of George H.W. Bush, which, you know, not like this, but in its own way, very impressive. The reality is that most countries are very proud of their own versions yes. of the pomp and circumstance we see here. We like to think we do it the best, and maybe we do. I think we probably do, but it's at quite a cost. You know, we expect, for example, our armed forces to produce this at the drop of a hat. And having mm. served myself for 15 years, I have some idea of the very hard work that's going yeah. on behind the scenes yeah. to make this look good. And I mean, and it, it's, not, <coughs> it's not cheap, it's not easy, and it comes with a price, not just but it does individually. Look, but it does look good. It looks fantastic. Yeah, and I wouldn't have it any other way. But so long as everybody realises we can only do this if we continue to invest in it. I get that point. I'm sure our audience do too. Patrick, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Now, yesterday I was highly critical of the government, saying don't come to London. It could be full. Well, to some extent, overnight they had a bit of success, although the rain had something to do with it, because there was nobody, it seemed, First thing this morning at sunlight, there was one or two people in tents, but there was nobody actually out there getting in those queues. The BBC seemed to almost rejoice in it this morning, but not necessarily because they'd listened to some common sense from me. But Michelle Donnellan, the culture secretary, suddenly comes out this morning and says, no, no, please come to London. We're organised for you. You know, we've got places you can get a cup of tea, we've got loos, and all the rest of it. Well, from five o'clock this afternoon, people have been able to go into Westminster Hall and file past the catafalque. And these were the pictures we took yesterday. That's the area of the sort of airport security. Um, and now people are coming. They're coming slowly and steadily. It's almost like an organised Sunday afternoon walk. It's so well done. And what the stewards do is they cause breaks in the line to make sure no one's pushing upon others. And we went out earlier before the show to meet some people in that queue by Lambeth Bridge. So here we are, Lambeth Bridge. We've got the queue. This is the most incredibly well organised thing I have ever seen. And for people actually in the queue, watching them earlier. It's like a sort of Sunday afternoon stroll. It's all been very gently, very sensibly done. Everyone knows there's no rush, there's no panic. There is a limit to the numbers that can get put through Westminster Hall. I love the Royal Family and everything that it stands for and what she's done for this country and the service. Um, remarkable woman. And it is, it is incredible. And how do you think King Charles has started? I think he's wonderful. I've met Charles, King Charles, on a couple of occasions. Um, oh, I think he's wonderful. I think um, he'll do. I think he'll do really well. Uh, joined at Belvedere Road, the other side of Westminster Bridge, and got there about nine o'clock this morning, and it's been pretty good, thank God. You're in not a bad position. No, we've got some lovely people here because I, I started last night when it was raining because Mepham in Kent had come from, 
and uh, I turned back to be honest I was being a bit like lightweight <laughs> but, uh, so no, we've done well. We've done well. So well, it was far. amazing because the government was saying, "Don't come to London; it could be full." But actually, it's so well organised; it's Very unbelievable. So. And there's some lovely people I've met from all over, Paul in Dorset and all over. So it's a late young lady from Birmingham's come down on her own, and uh, no, it's good, isn't it? And what was, what was your big motivation for coming? My mother, because my mother died. Um, ten years ago, she reminded me of the Queen very much. Good ladies, decent, everything that I think is good about Britain. Well, we've grown up with her as a family and as a, a nation, and just very proud to be English. Wonderful woman. She was my boss, from the lowest private right up to uh, the chief of defence staff. She was our boss, and I could not not be here. It's all I've really known, even though I haven't been on as long as other people so I feel like I should pay my respects to her personally. Do you know what I'm nearly 60 and she's all I've ever known as well I mean 70 years is unbelievable isn't it? Yeah because yeah. since, since I've been born she's the Queen and she's always been there she's always been doing everything she's always been the Queen she's always been doing her job doing her role for us doing everything she can for us she deserved everything. I have to say I've met some lovely lovely people really lovely people people here literally who've come from all over the world and it's a very private thing, it's a very personal thing. They're here themselves to pay their personal respects. People of all classes, all ages, all races. And, uh, you know, you can read rubbish in the New York Times if you want about the monarchy, about this country. People can tell you it's out of date. Tell you what, it's not for these and many, many millions. And around the world, hundreds of millions of people. I promise you out there, it really is the best of British. Now, it isn't just me telling you, please come to London, please take part in this, please bring your children, your grandchildren. Just to confirm this, here is the Culture Secretary, Michelle Donnellan. This is a monumental event. Uh, the Queen reigned and served us for 70 years. I can fully understand, and so can the government, why so many people want to come and pay their respects. And we want to facilitate that the best way we can. You know, there will be large numbers of people wanting to do that, but we want to make sure that they're as comfortable along the journey as they possibly can be, even if it does take uh, overnight and multiple hours. We know that there will be thousands, because the Queen meant so much to all of us, and there's a special place in, in all of our hearts. Um, it will be up to people to, to reflect on what's the best way that they want to mourn. We saw a great deal of, of individuals wanting to, to come and see the Queen in Scotland, and I'm sure that we'll see that reflected in London. But as we've outlined, there are many other ways that people can pay their respects to. So there we are. There's Michelle Donald and the Culture Secretary. It isn't just me telling you it's fine. This is beautifully organised. It's absolutely safe. There are places you can get water. There are toilets. There are facilities all along the route. And it is moving, I have to say, at a very, very steady pace. It is beautifully understated. It is, it was to me this afternoon, the very, very best of British. Now, Tom Harwood, our political correspondent, is still down there on the South Bank. Tom, um, how's it going? They seem to be filing through at a very steady pace. 
They are indeed. Now, there are, as you mentioned earlier, these intermittent gaps just to make sure that the queue doesn't form into any sort of crush. But yes, a steady pace of people, and it has been running remarkably smoothly. This being said, we haven't had the first night of, of people filing through yet, but as things go, this has been going relatively smoothly. People haven't been waiting 30 hours, albeit this has been on a working day. Perhaps the waits will be longer this weekend, but it is remarkable the sense of togetherness, of unity, of community that we have seen in this queue. People making friends with people they've never met before, coming from every corner of the kingdom, every corner of the Commonwealth, every corner of the world. We've seen people, we've spoken to people from the United States of America, from Spain, from the Netherlands, from Canada, from Australia. So many parts of the world people have come here from. And it's fascinating talking to people in the queue as well. I wonder if we can spend a moment or two just to get the thoughts of people. Excuse me, sir, how's today run for you? Oh, it's run brilliant. I've only been here for like three hours. That's remarkable. People were warned of 30 hours. What's it? Uh... It's, to scare, it's to scare people away, to, to minimise the crowds. You, so you think, you think people should come and should experience yes, this? Yes, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see a monarch who reigned for 70 years and pay your respects to her in Westminster Hall. Absolutely, if you can make it, come and do it. You won't regret it. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Of Pleasure. Um, let's grab some thoughts from someone else here in the queue. Excuse me, excuse me, sir. Have you been waiting for long? Uh, three hours. Hello there. Have you been waiting for long? Uh, four hours? About four Five. Hours. Five. And, but it's run smoothly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, it's pretty yeah, very good organisation. Very and, good. And did you always know that you would have to come here today? Has of this been course. a compulsion? You feel it, Dad. Absolutely. Definitely. I'm we need Australia for this, so. Especially for this. Especially for this. Well, Me fantastic. Italy. Italy. Italy as well. As I was saying, Nigel, there are just so many people from so many parts of the world, such respect felt for our late Queen. And it is, as people have been saying, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Absolutely, Tom Harwood, superb. Thank you for joining us from the South Bank. We're going to come back to you before the end of the programme. That was so good. In fact, Tom is so close to me, I could almost if we had a couple of bait bean tins and a piece of string, talk to him because he's just below the window. So, Tom, I will come back to you in a bit. Um, remarkable how well this is going. You know, 30 hours your queue, 35 hours your queue, some newspapers saying there could be loss of life, terrible fear. All of this done, and I said it yesterday and I bloody well meant it, this mentality that we get from government and the civil service to try and stop us doing anything. You know, it's windy, don't leave your house. It's going to be cold, don't leave your house. I mean, the whole precautionary principle gone bonkers. And frankly, we've had enough of it during COVID. So if you were to come to London, and remember, this is open pretty much 24 hours a day, you probably, if you join the queue right now, would be getting into Westminster Hall within five hours. Yes, I know five hours is a long time. But the good news is the weather forecast is excellent for the next few days. Michael Cole, former BBC Royal correspondent, joins me again. I just want to reflect, Michael, on this whole phenomenon. Now, we saw it, didn't we, with the Queen Mother mm. in 2002. Mm. And maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed to me that with those of us that chose to go past the coffin and those that lined the route mm. after the service when her body mm. 
went back to Windsor. I think the BBC and the Times and others were a bit shocked yes, yes, by the really. level, the outpouring <laughs> in all probability. that the, the wartime queen... They, they tend to get it wrong, don't they? I mean, at the moment, they're saying they hope that one million people, that's a lot of people, that's 11 full Wembley stadiums, will mm. file past the catafalque, past the coffin. Yeah. Um, that's quite something. When uh, Winston Churchill lay in state in January 1965, a third of a million managed to go past and pay their tribute. That, incidentally, was exactly the number of servicemen, soldiers, who were rescued from the beaches of okay. Dunkirk at the, in the very first week of his administration as the wartime leader. You know something, you're talking about ceremonial and, and whether we do it well. I was on an American network during the Jubilee and I said to the women presenters, these guardsmen in the red tunics, I said, they're all frontline soldiers. They said, really? I said, no, they're not chocolate soldiers. They're not, they're ornamental. They've been in Afghanistan. Yeah. They've, they've been yeah. in Bosnia. They've been in Iraq. In fact, uh, a, a colour party from uh, duty in Iraq is coming back from the Coldstream Guards, 1st Battalion, to be, play a very important part carrying the coffin uh, on Monday. So I had to explain it to them because they thought it was all set dressing. This all has a purpose. It underlines, it is the cement of our constitution, our way of life. It is not flummery. It is not just for show. It actually means something. And that's what we're going to see in Westminster Hall with the vigil of the princes. Now, that began in 1936 when King George yeah. V died. And he was the man that the Queen called uh, Grandpa England. He was the father of the empire. First man to actually broadcast, uh, first monarch on, on radio uh, to, to the whole yeah. of, the, uh, of the empire. And he had four sons, Edward VII, the Duke of York, Duke of Gloucester and the Duke of Kent, and they took up station at the four corners of the catafalque. And we're going to see that at some because stage. Because we, we saw it at St Giles's uh, indeed we in did. Edinburgh, but we're going to see it here in Westminster Hugely, Hall. hugely impressive. And at that stage, we're going to see uh, the, Prince, uh, the King Charles wore, I think it was Stuart hunting tartan. Here, they will all be in military uniform, yeah. including... Well including the, the Duke of York, Prince Andrew. So, but this was interesting because we talked, you and I, earlier about the ten members of the royal family mm. that slow march behind the coffin today. It was very noticeable. Mm. Because, was it not uh, that the Duke of Sussex yeah. and the Duke of York were not in military uniform? Yes, because uh, it's said the, the reason given is that they are not working members of the royal family. They're not intimately involved in the day-to-day -day work of royal things, which, which is true, but... I think such a shame for Prince Harry because he actually deserves to wear a uniform more than most people. He did 10 years in the forces yeah. as a member of the Blues and Royals and as a member of the Army Air Corps flying uh, Apache helicopters, which used to train over our house in Suffolk. So we used to wave to him. They, he went out there. He did two tours there. Mm. He, he, he served with valor. He served with great distinction. And so I think it's a great shame that he wasn't allowed to wear a uniform uh, today. Um, of course, Prince Andrew is the black sheep of the family, but the important word in that phrase is family. He is the Queen's second son. Yes. Until the birth of, of Prince William, he was third in line to the throne. We mustn't forget that. And according to some accounts, I can't verify that, he was the Queen's favourite child. I don't know whether that's true. I think uh, the Princess Royal, um, Princess Anne, 
has actually shown her devotion oh, to people. the Queen more than anybody could possibly people do. all over the world, I'm getting messages and people saying just how massively impressed and how dignified they think Anne is. <laughs> no, she was. In her demeanour and, and everything that she does. And we've talked a lot, Michael, about over, over the course of the last week, or not quite a week, but almost, about the military and the pomp and the pageantry. On the religious side of it, that was a very Anglican Yes. service that took place there in Westminster yes. Hall. And after all, he is going to be Charles, the defender of the faith. Yes. We'll see how that all plays out. But in Scotland, explain the difference in Scotland. <laughs> well, it's very complicated. Well, but it is, it's one of the bits of magic of our famously underwritten, unwritten constitution. Our constitution depends upon case law, statute and convention. And we make it up as we go along because that's convenient. You're not stuck with a piece of paper that you have to argue about. And the Americans are always amending, aren't they? They've got yeah, dozens yeah. of amendments. Yeah, yeah. So uh, under the Act of Union of 1707, uh, the, two, the two kingdoms of Scotland and England were joined together. But Scotland retained its legal system, which is based on Roman law. Ours is based on case law and statute. And it retained its religion, the Church of Scotland. Scotland. So whenever the Queen steps over the border at Castle Bar, she becomes a Presbyterian by magic. Mm, mm. And then she goes to the Presbyterian church, uh, Crathy Church, just at the gates of Balmoral. And yesterday, uh, well, is it only yesterday? These days merged yeah, together. Yeah. She was in St. Giles Cathedral, the leading uh, church of the Church of, of Scotland and a very beautiful place. I was for three years uh, BBC Scotland correspondent. I lived up, up there with my, my, my wife and my daughter and we, we, we enjoyed it very much. And it was great to see that. I mean, to see the Royal Mile packed like that, one of the most ancient and, and mm. most... Uh, uh, impressive streets in and, the whole of and, Europe. And Scotland, she died in Scotland, but Scotland been very much included, hasn't it, in all totally. of this? Totally. I mean, it, you, of course, it was predictable that somebody of 96 would die, but it was a terrible shock. We, I was shocked. Nobody really expected it. But in a way, uh, the Queen did her last great service to the Union, which she fervently believed in, by dying in Scotland... Can't, couldn't be planned. No. And when I saw <coughs> that cortege, it was just a group of cars, but a group of cars going down Royal Deeside. And think of the number of times she'd been down that valley, even going back to when George V was there. No, absolutely. And it was very, 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 very moving. And I think uh, it emphasised the efficacy, the usefulness, the validity of this great union. And do you know what I think... Uh, Nigel, and I really do think this. I think that Tom and, and, and Jock have spent too many years in foxholes and trenches shedding their blood together mm. in defence of this country for this great union of ours ever to be put asunder. The Queen believed in that and she, she, she did her very best and never failed in her duty to go and visit all four corners of it as she visited well, all her realms. She did. Michael Cole said with great passion, I will see you next on this show on Monday, the day of the funeral itself. Now let's go to Mark White, GB News' home affairs editor. Uh, Mark, this is going to go on now for four days and for four nights. When could we expect the vigil of the Queen's four children to be? 
Uh, we're told that that will be on Friday. Uh, as we speak, the monarch is no longer in residence here at Buckingham Palace. Uh, this afternoon, the royal standard came down. It's been replaced now by the Union flag behind us, which is flying at half-mast. And Prince, uh, the uh, King Charles and uh, his wife, Queen Camilla, left here by helicopter. Now, we understand that they've gone to Wiltshire, that Queen Camilla has gone to her residence in Wiltshire, that the King, uh, he was seen behind the, the wheel of uh, an Audi, uh, and he is, we're told, headed to his home at Highgrove House. Uh, maybe that's for a well-deserved rest. Uh, it's been non-stop, of course, since the death of the late monarch on Thursday, uh, all of the ceremonial and official duties that he's had to perform alongside the official mourning as well. So it's been uh, full on. Uh, you can understand any loss is very emotionally draining anyway and physically exhausting. So if it is uh, for a rest for a while, then I'm sure that uh, most people will uh, not begrudge him that opportunity, Nigel. Um, and so that gives an opportunity and a focus really uh, to be on uh, the viewing uh, of the, uh, the coffin of the late monarch in Westminster Hall as it lies in state for the next four days as the preparations continue now of course leading up to that state funeral and of course that is going to not just be a huge logistical operation but a massive security operation Nigel because we have all of these world leaders coming in uh, to the capital city, all who will have to be accommodated, who will have to be taken to the venue at Westminster Abbey for that funeral, safely there and safely back out again. Yeah, it's going to be one hell of an operation and we'll see whether President Biden wants to go on a coach with everybody else. Mark White, thank you very much indeed for that report from Buckingham Palace. Some of your thoughts coming in. One viewer says, our magnificent Queen has this week educated a whole new generation in what a wonderful institution and country we have. How lucky we have been to have had Elizabeth on the throne for so long, giving us security and spiritual guidance. We'll miss her smile and calming voice. Well, I think we absolutely will. It'll never be the same without Elizabeth the Great. This really is sticking. Patrick Jefferson used that term earlier on. Carol said today, I was so impressed, especially with the Princess Royal. She hasn't left her mother since the day she died. When I saw her in the parade behind the coffin, I just thought, oh, bless her. What a wonderful, stoical hard-working person she is, yes, and impressing people all over the world. Johnny says, every day brings a new and more extraordinary display of our history and tradition. Next time someone says, define British culture, then just point them in the direction of these recent days. Johnny, I like that. I absolutely like that. It is the best of British out there. And one more I've got time for. Robert says, please congratulate and thank David Starkey for his expertise, knowledge and the historical perspective that he brings to covering of the Queen's mourning period. Truly outstanding. He really is truly outstanding. Well, I said it was the best of British and it really is. Those people who were going over 
Lambeth Bridge now as we speak. They're magnificent people. And I'm going to cut back to Tom Harwood. We are The People's Channel. Let's finish off with a few voices from The People, please. Absolutely. Let's dive in and get some thoughts from the people queuing. Excuse me, have you come far today? Have you come far today? Uh, how have you found the queue? It's been good. <laughs> well, as we have, we've seen these uh, queues comes in waves. They make sure that it's not all going in one continuous movement. But we do have some more people coming up now. Have you waited for long today? Uh, we arrived at what time did we arrive? Five o'clock. So, so it's not not too bad then, no, not no, the 30 hours. Cool. No, no, it's cool. We've had things to eat. We're walking along quite fast, so. We're feeling quite optimistic about getting there before the tube stops. Fantastic. Well, thank you for speaking to us. Let's see if we can get some more voices. Excuse me, did you always know that you would be coming today? Yes, I think so. Definitely. We love the Queen. Real royalist. So, yes. Have you come from far? Cambridge and Surrey. Surrey. Surrey as well. Yeah. And uh, what are you expecting to feel when you're inside the... When very you're inside emotional. The... Seeing, seeing the cortege go past, it made me very teary. She was a wonderful woman. But so are all the royal family, aren't they? Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you for speaking with us. Thank, thank you. you very much. Let's get another thought now. Uh, excuse me, have you come far? Uh, from West London. From West London. Yeah. And, and how, yeah. are you, how are you expecting to feel when you're inside? Uh, I'm so happy to see her as the uh, to queen. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. So there's a real mix of emotions here. Sadness, happiness to see. Uh, excuse me, have you come far today? No, I'm from South Wales, I. From South Wales? Have you come all the way from South Wales for this? Yeah, I have, I, yeah. And, and, and what made you feel like it was well, important on, to come? She'd been on the rain for so long, I thought I'd come and uh, do something about it. You know? Are you expecting to feel emotional in there? How's the queue felt? Yes, all right, it's gone very well. Right? Yeah, the queue's gone good. Right? Nice sight of London and the, the weather's all right. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for talking with us. Thank what, you. We're from GB News. What? GB News. GB News. Yeah. Um, let's see if we can get another thought for you now. Um, excuse me, how's the queue felt for you? Long, very, very <laughs> long. long. But worth it? Yeah. Will yeah. be. And what are you expecting to feel like inside the hall? Um, sad. Sad, very emotional to be fair. I mean, it's been the only monarch ever since I was born. Um, since, my, since my parents are born, it's been the only monarch, so it's been a... Yeah, it's been a bit of a weird week, really. Yeah. You never think to feel like this sort of emotion for someone you don't know personally, but haven't been the only person, like only stagnant, like the only constant in this country mm. my entire life. You do feel emotional. Really, yeah. really heavy moment. Yeah. Well, thank you for speaking with us. How have you the, the queue, well worth it. It's been really long, but it's history, isn't it? So I've got to see it. Hi. Well done. Thank you. Lovely to meet you. Well, there we go. A flavour of some people. Um, if we, I'll, I'll hand back to you, Nigel. But honestly, I could do this yeah, thank all you. evening. So many people <laughs> coming here to pay their respects. <laughs> and Tom, we could watch it all evening because it's absolute magic. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I hope we've done our best tonight to explain to you everything that has gone on today. And we'll keep on doing that right up to and including the funeral on Monday. That's it from me. I'm back tomorrow at seven. 